Hey everybody, welcome to the real post show. <laughs> the real post show of Craft Beer Radio. We did a we were doing a we're gonna do a post show. Well, we did one where we played a game Pandemic, but it just it, it sucked all of our attention and so it turned out it was terrible. Well the game was fun. The game was fun, but the post show itself was, it, was unlistenable. Probably. We recorded it. I may put it up just on the extra feed as a extra extra greg says no i i doubt that was any fun because you need you need the video the visuals yeah. as well yeah. i mean like in tabletop they at least had the visuals of the game to follow yeah. along and they edit it yeah so good point all right it was fun to play though yeah it was it was very fun to play but but the idea of of playing it and doing a show at the same time was good so fortunately we only did one topic of mine i can repeat okay well repeat it all right. Well, I have two corrections from stuff that I was listening to earlier. First of all, uh, I was talking about Newton's laws. They both relate to Newton's laws, as a matter of fact. The first one was when I was talking about Newton's laws, I missed the first and the second law. I, I, okay. I screwed them up, which is silly of me. They say, well, why? Those are, you know, who can remember the orders of laws? That, you know, I know what the third law is, but why, you know, it's first law. Because they're important because the order they're in tells you something. The first, I said the first law was F equals MA. The first law is the law of inertia. The first law defines that everything, how everything moves. In, in other words, every, nothing moves unless acted upon by something else. And the second law is F equals MA. The second law defines how forces move something. So I should have gotten that right. But I didn't because I wasn't thinking. Okay. But my second one revolves mm-hmm. the third law because I was talking about flight last time. Flight. I was talking about how the Bernoulli principle, an airfoil, is not really responsible for flight. What I really should have said is, is in terms of fixed-wing aircraft, like the humans make, airfoils are play a pretty low role. Everything else is pretty much Newton's laws. But when you're talking about things like birds and insects, they're not fixed wings. They use it a lot. They have a lot less, lesser weight, and they can use Bernoulli's principles in a lot more interesting ways. But for the fixed-wing aircraft, for me, airplanes, it's just Newton's Law. It's almost all Newton's Law. Okay. So, you know, on the uh, 538 uh, website, uh, the worst board games ever invented. So, uh, Nate, or I guess it wasn't Nate, it was uh, Oliver, I guess, wrote this article. But they worked with a website that has a bunch of game ranking mm-hmm. sites, right? The game was called uh, board, okay, so board Game Geek, right? And they have a bunch of ratings. Is the worst game a game I, I would know? Yeah, yeah. Is it Monopoly? One of them, right? Because what tends actually shoots and ladders, Candyland, ones that are just random chance uh-huh. with no strategy tend to be the worst games ever, right? And this kind of goes into the point. I thought this when I was going to the bathroom because you're talking about you know, this game. It, it's very different from the games yeah. we used to play as a kid because um, there's a lot more strategy. So yeah, let me find the list. A lot more interesting too. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you're stuck with these five or six games. Now that they're now there's a lot more, and they they can do a lot more interesting things. So this one chart here is the worst games by decade. The worst games in the 2010s was Angry Birds Knock on Wood. And you can imagine how any Angry Birds game really sucks, right? Well, I mean, I, 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 
really, I've played maybe 10 seconds of Angry Birds. No, but board game version. Oh, a board okay. game. Oh, Where you have to like set up a wall of things and shoot a little catapult at it and then set up the whole thing again. I played much more Cut the Rope than I have Angry Birds. Yes, they actually made a board game version of Angry Birds. In the 2000s, see, so I never played this game, but you... It's called the Worst Case Scenario Survival Game. Remember those books for like Worst Case Scenario Survival? No. Nope. Okay. It was a meme in the 2000s. Um, you have to go all the way back to the 1940s before there's a, a classic, right? 1940s, uh, Candyland. Did you, you stole my pencil. Son of a bitch. <laughs> 1940s is Candyland. Uh, 1920s is Cootie. But... I, I'm not doing a very good job of parsing this. Oh, here's a little deviation type thing. And like down in this bottom right corner here, Monopoly, The Game of Life, Candyland, Snakes and Ladders, Tic-Tac-Toe, War. You know, games are just kind of very no, no strategy, just random chance. Right, yeah. Tend to rank as the worst games. All games involve chance. I mean, Monopoly has a bit of, has a lot of strategy to it. It's just boring. It's just that, yeah. It's it's well. The thing they said about Monopoly in the article move. is that there's two things. There's two things that make it bad, and it's often a runaway win. It's not a close win, mm-hmm. and a loser, an early out. Well, two more things. Games where players are eliminated are not good. Right? right. You want to keep them in the game. Like Small World, no one gets eliminated. You can lose by a lot, but you don't get eliminated. And um, the losing person who's about to be eliminated can make bad trades with a person to decide who wins the game, right? right? Yeah. So that's another reason that Monopoly is not a very good game. Uh, and then if you look at... No, the other side of that is, what does Board Game Geek consider as some of the best games? And um, no, I'm not going to read out this whole list here. I was looking for the games that I've heard of or have played, right? And... Um, So Small World, which is a pretty good game, actually ranks all the way down at 96. Wow. Check out some of those other games then. I mean, I like Small World a lot. Ticket to Ride Europe is 59. I like Ticket to Ride too. That was that was the was that the train the game? Train game, yeah. yeah. So Europe and Nordic, 59 for Europe, 71 for Nordic, 77 for Ticket to Ride. Uh, Small World Underground, which is the other one we got, didn't rank as high. Let's see, where's Pandemic? Pandemic's 44. So, I mean, there's games that are ranked by Board Game Geeks 44 higher than Pandemic. So, But you have to also think that we are not Board Game Geeks, right? So yeah. we're not going to like the... the be- it's, it's like, if you're a flight sim geek, mm-hmm. you're going to love the awesome hard flight sim. But if you're just somebody who wants to fly like an afterburner, right? You're not going to like the awesome hard flight sim that the, the flight sim geek loves, right? So, right. So this is a neat article. Uh, if you search five thirty eight for worst game ever, or just search Google for like worst board game ever, you'll find the article. And then if you go to boardgamegeek.com, you can get the ranking of the games and you look through those and compare those against the Amazon rankings. You know, all these games that we've been getting, these these better games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Small World, Catan, uh, Pandemic, 
Ticket to Ride. You know, they're all highly ranked on Amazon, and that's why I got them. And, and the kids generally like these games. And they're fun. This for, is too hard for the kids. Well, since it's collaborative, you can kind of direct them. Yeah, the but way, then you're but just playing by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we bought this, I figured it was probably going to be too old for the kids. Does Allie like Battleship? Yeah, she likes Battleship. Battleship's fun, and it's something that mm-hmm. kids can get into easy enough. But the kids love Small World. And and Max Max beat me by 41 points Yeah, today. but you're helping them all along. That's the Not thing. so much anymore. Not so much. I, I keep him from making dumb moves, I guess. But So I help him a little bit, but he beat me by 41 points today. He had 100 and... Hundred and six, and I had sixty-five. I guess I think that's where it was at. Wow! Killed me. He he, you know the sorcerers where you can steal, right? He started off with the sorcerers, and then he followed up with uh, what did he follow up with? Something else that just and he like he wiped out my first people, so I had like. Burn the turn with no points, just just going into the client, even though there was no one on the board. You know, it's like, <laughs> damn you, Max. <laughs> All right, uh, what should we call that episode? I don't know. I don't have anything handy. I'll just say wheat wines and call it smoke on the water. Call it fire in the sky. <laughs> Call it the third line of the song that I don't know. Can we can I call it da 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 You got the Amazon anonymous music queued up? I do, but I don't. I'm not connected. How to get all the way over there? I threw it over there when I made room for the game. Had it queued up, but there it is. Okay. This takes a while. All right. Hey, we're watching you. I picked the Contigo Auto Seal West Loop Stainless Steel Travel Mug with Easy Clean Lid, 16 ounce grade jade. I like the color. It's a cool travel mug. Put your coffee or whatever in there. And, um, I don't know, just look cool. All right. It's I... got a vacuum insulation. That's neat. 20 bucks. Good stuff. Someone bought 350 AeroPress filters, so that's nice. But my item is going to be the Cognac Sponge Activated Charcoal Facial Sponge, 100% natural sponge, eco-friendly, gentle exfoliating sponge, deep cleansing, improved skin texture, Cognac Facial Chemical... Oh, it's cleaning sponge natural this is all the title this is not the description the title continuing is uh, cleansing sponge natural beauty products free of chemicals parabens sulfates fragrances and coloring good for sensitive skin hypoallergenic cruelty free vegan biodegradable naturally sustainable 100% money back guarantee that's the title the name of the product yeah now they say it's cruelty free it's made from bamboo charcoal. What about the bamboo? Animal or plants don't count, man. If they wanted to have some more respect, they shouldn't have been a plant. If only it they had known that. Proves your skin texture. 
It gives you brighter looking skin. It prevents spots, blackheads, and breakouts. It's 100% natural and eco-friendly. It's easy how, to... How, how do they make this into a sponge? There must be some horrible chemicals they use to make it into a sponge and then give it to you. It has an easy-to-hang suction hook. <laughs> this is the lie that we buy into. Everybody does this. We all do this to a degree. But the, the lie is that we can buy stuff that's pure and good and, and but the process doesn't matter or, or we can just we, we can disentangle all the process that goes into it and that includes not just the manufacturer but also the producing of the packaging the st- getting the stuff to you I mean how does how do they get the bamboo to how do they get it to to Amazon they have to ship it they have to send it you know they have to drive cars to get there all this stuff comes in I mean, it, it's a societal problem it's not it, you can't solve it by by buying sponges, I mean it might be a great sponge, but I'm saying you can't you can't change the world by buying sponges. Right. And the lie that they tell us is that oh you can this is how you can do it, but really you're just I mean it's it's giant corporations that dump everything into the into the world. Anyway. So this thing has remarkable reviews: four and a half out of five stars, 372 customer reviews. You didn't even stop me. I was going, to, I was going into crazy areas. You work in crazy areas. Let him, let him talk. I feel like I interrupt you too much. So, uh, I have always known the importance of exfoliation and have tried things over the tried many things over the years. I have tried microdermabrasion crystals, drugstore facial scrubs, homemade sugar and honey scrubs special microfiber face towels, and many more. I've recently heard of cognac sponges and wanted to try one for about a year. But at that time, I had just purchased a Nutrisonic, which is a generic brand of the Clarisonic facial brush. I had seen nice results with it and figured I did not need to buy anything else at the time. I was given the opportunity a few weeks ago to try the cognac sponge and jumped at the chance. That person likes his facial cleansers. Or hers. Hers. His, hers, yeah. Honeybee was her was their nickname. Is that it? I don't yeah, that's that's it. Cool. Uh, my review, my, my review I talked about last time. Uh, Pass with flying cars got the uh-huh. equivalent of A plus. Cool. They like what I'm doing. They like me. I like what I'm doing. I like me. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is in agreement. That's I like that too. Uh, and uh, you know, I got a little bit of a raise out of it. Everything's good. So. Cool. Um, I also probably sometime within the next two months I'm going to Tucson for a week just to do, you know be there at the main office for a week mm-hmm. that'd be fun uh, at the end of October I'm going to the SQL Pass Conference that's going to be awesome go to Seattle nice for a week and learn SQL stuff and uh Probably get high as a kite in the free Washington weed or not free, but I mean, it's legal. Uh, okay, never been to Seattle, so that'd be a lot of fun too. I was in Seattle for that beer cruise back in two thousand four, yeah. and uh, there's a little, 
right in the dead town area. He's plenty of brew, brew pubs. Yeah. I, it's probably changed so much since I've been, since 2004. It's, yeah. That's 11 years. I Holy know. fuck. Um, big time brewing. Hales would be like, you know, two to, you know, two to check out aside from Elysian and, you know, some of the other ones are on the, on the hit list. Actually, I think I saw something on, it was a Facebook or LinkedIn. Tom Schmidlin, his current job listing is like at a brewery. I don't know if he started a brewery or. They still do. I was thinking about, do they still do beer drinker of the year? I mean, it has yeah. to have lost some of its cachet because the no, because there's so much more craft beer out there that a little town wide and you know thing doesn't make national news anymore. I'm pretty sure they still do it. I'm pretty sure. That's if only we had a tool to tell us. Right. I, <laughs> I think so. while while you look, I want to respond to a question from the internet. Nate asked. Uh, he says, he says me, he says me, he says Greg. I know you're into podcasts. Are you familiar with The Best Show, formerly The Best Show on WFMU? I am familiar with it. It's Tom, it's, um, uh, Tom Sharpling's show. Uh, it's it's one of those things where there's only... There, there, there's a barrier. And I realized this as I was trying to introduce Jeff to County Bang Bang, in that there's a lot of these in-jokes and little things about the show that after you listen a while you start to really love them but when you're when you're listening to it the first or second time there is kind of impenetrable and so it's <laughs> I mean all these little jokes I've, I've actually brought on, onto like our shows <laughs> like you know the it's been a while you know, that that's a, that's a county bang bang thing or my wife. My wife is a comedy by way thing. Those are things that I've pulled, you know, that I just love about those podcasts when they do them. But if you if you just go into it and listening to the one comedy bang bang apart from from everything else, it would just seem kind of impenetrable and pretty stupid. You kind of have to go in with 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 the right like I mean, you have to find a guest you love and have it and have it you kind of walk through it to mm-hmm. to understand it. I think the best show is the same way. I never really, I, you know, I think I've tried it, but I haven't really gotten into it. That's not to say that that I don't think it's that I think it's not a good show. I think it's probably a great show. I've, lots of comedians love it. Lots of comedians I really respect love it and go on it. It's just I never had the time to dig into. Maybe if you could recommend some episodes that are good to kind of not. I mean, like the best episodes of Comedy Bang Bang are not necessarily the ones that I recommend for somebody to jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't think of what your favorite episode was think of the best episode for you to jump in is and I'll listen to that yes similar to a show called Never Not Funny on uh, that that I've listened to some of and I, I just I, I don't get jive with the I mean I think the show's okay um, I only really listen to it when there's an interesting guest on that I like yeah so I was going through LinkedIn the other day and I noticed that Tom had changed his job uh February 2014th, he is now the founder, head brewer of Postdoc Brewing Company. So, no longer working at the uh, University of Washington, apparently. Cool. Maybe uh, maybe try to hit him up when you're out there. And... Yeah. Um, it'll be till, till October. 
hopefully after we also do the Great American Beer Fest, right? I haven't talked to Heather yet, but I think we are. Yes, I'll do. I'll do it uh, tomorrow. Um, Michael Donato said that he listened to the New York, the New Year's Eve, New York, New Year's <laughs> Eve episode, nine tenths of his way through a week's worth of commuting. <laughs> deserve a gold star for that, Mike. Uh, he said the best part was Jeff Barrett screaming "Old Lang Syne" at the top of his lungs. I do, re- I do recall singing that. Now. I think you did that, and and only at the various New Year's. I don't think you did that every hour. I think you did it at, at hour four and hour five, probably. Yeah, but For I people do, that were, I do remember you doing that. And yeah, when Jeff Jeff is a sloppy drunk. Hey, no, I didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah, well, I'm just saying you are. That's okay. <laughs> We all are sloppy drunks eventually. It just depends on how much we get, how far we get. All right. Um, I have a question. I just used one of these words. I have a question to people if they could answer. What in between words do we overuse? Like, like, or uh, or you know. I was listening to a podcast all of them. With, with very smart people and this guy, a very smart guy, but was using as it were over and over and over again that it got to be annoying that he was using as it were, as it were, as it were, as it were, as it were. But when you hear that, you start to think, I sometimes say that, but now I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm going to catch myself when I do. I want to know if... if any of you have heard us do things or get annoyed by anything that that we say, and uh, if it strikes the the person who you're talking to, one of us, as annoying to us, then we'll stop doing it. If we don't care, then we don't care. There was just a uh, Freakonomics podcast this week about uh, that's a great question. The bridge, that's a great, great question, uh-huh. right? Because people often use that as a bridge to change the subject, right? You know, and then they start talking about other vocal tics. And when... what about in the same, sorry, but in, in the same sense, what about let me ask you a question before you ask a question? Why ask if you're going to ask a question? Or, or can I ask you a question yeah. before you ask a question? Why ask to ask a question if you're just going to ask the question anyway? Right. Or, or saying that you're going to ask a question. But sometimes people just do it to, while they're formulating the question in their head, just to fill dead space. Right. But the one thing they pointed out was uh, some of the president's vocal texts, like, look, or listen, you know, uh-huh. and he uses those an awful lot. And basically it's a bridge to, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to answer the question that I wanted you to ask. Right. right. It, 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 it functions the same way. Yeah. It's their... It's something for them to say as they're, for you to say as you're formulating in your head how to respond. So you're filling up that, because that's, that's part of it, but a lot of, uh, that's a great question, is so much more than just crystallizing your thoughts. It, it can do both, I think. It can, it can, but. Well, crystallizing your thoughts, I, I think it is, it's all crystallizing your thoughts, but the question is how are you, in what way you're crystallizing your thoughts? Is it to try to present the best answer possible or to try to figure out how to answer this in the most political way possible or something else. So you're still crystallizing your thoughts. It's just what, what is the, what is the focus of your crystallization? Media, but they, in the podcast, I actually go into it. There's specific media training to use that bridge and other bridges to use it to train, change the subject. Well, you, 
So that's what not I'm using saying, it to crystallize. It's not like it absolutely uh, is. It's not a smarter uh or um. It's no, it, it it can be. No, I think it is. I think it's it it's a smarter R um in the sense that you're using what seems like a vocal tick. You're using that that crystallization to that that crystallization period, and you're using it. You're you're understanding that you're using it as opposed to simply doing it out of uh, out of habit. But because. You're, but it's still that moment of crystallizing the thought. If you had the answer right away, you would need to say, look. Or you don't say, look, just because you're using it before you do a thing. You're, you're using it to crystallize your thoughts, but you're just, you're understanding what you're doing and you're using that to crystallize your thoughts in a certain direction. I just think my, my example is a more general case. I understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. I'm just doing the more generalized sure. case of it. Absolutely. I'm sure... I have annoying vocal tics. I, I do too. I know I do. Yeah. We're around each other so often that I think we we've absorbed them, so we don't recognize them as much. But somebody listening to us, I think probably people who listen to us like in the first ten or fifteen episodes, I tend are to think, more under are probably more aware of it than than I, I tend to think that we're pretty good at not using ums. I I, I know we're not. I think. I know we're I know we're bad at using ums. I know we use ums all the time. Do we? Yeah, but we we're not. I'm not. I see. I, I tend to think that I'm not afraid of of silence. Right. I, I kind of pause and use that to, to to crystallize my thoughts. And maybe I'm deluding myself, but I, I think I can not have to fill I think we don't use um. um as often as we did like when in the beginning when we had to cut it out a lot mm-hmm. however I I know that we've done it already this show a bunch I know we did it in the main show I counted at least a couple times where I did it just in the last five minutes so it's not like we don't do it it's just that we're a little bit better at part of it is that we talk a little bit slower because we understand that if we talk a little bit more slowly, we have time to crystallize our thoughts and then skid out the rest of our sentence. Just understanding of how to use radio. Hmm. But do we use those vocal things? Sure. Absolutely. Sure. I think it's just part of the language. It's one of those things about language where if you actually listen to another language, it's really hard to hear the stops between words because we when we read there are obvious points in between words but when you talk it's all just ups and downs and sort of melodic in terms of tone if you look at the waveform there are not stops in between words it's kind of sing-songy that's what language is i wish i could remember what the phrase was very end of freakonomics they suggested another term. This is something that a Harvard professor had uh, come up with. It's a nonsense phrase. Like, it sounds like two words, but it's run together. And support mental. But it, when you, it, it's nonsense, right? But when you say it, like the human ear can interpret it as like an answer to the question, right? So, like, oh, I, I don't know if I can pull it up quickly. Um, I'm not going to try to pull it up. It's towards the end of the, uh, let me ask you a question, Freakonomics. But it's basically, he was 
got to a place where he couldn't answer all the questions, but he didn't want to ignore people, right? Like he's walking through a room type thing. So he came, he somehow came up with this phrase. I wish I could remember what it was. That's a good question. But, but no, it, it's this nonsensey <laughs> thing. And but when you ask someone a question and like annoys your room or like not even annoys your room, but you ask someone a question, he says this back. Your brain's going to interpret it as what you like, what you expect to hear, or something like that. And then like, like it's like psychological. It's all right. Yeah, I want to hear about that. You should post that. <sighs> okay. Oh wait, here's the full transcript. Let me uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, a slight little math thing that this may not be interesting, but since Jeff is looking for something, I'll I'll, I'll say it. it was just something that I was thinking about today because I was reading something about uh, imaginary numbers and, and normal numbers, and I was thinking about how we deal with imaginary numbers, and the only way that we can really describe imaginary numbers is we draw a graph when we put them on something, but we also describe them in terms of multiples of i, so. All imaginary numbers are some sort of multiple of i. And what is i? i is the imaginary unit. i equals the square root of negative 1. So you can describe a imaginary number as being like 539i or 539.23i. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the actual numbers to describe something in i, but we can say it's this times the imaginary unit. The same thing applies to normal numbers. Right, 537 is 537 times 1, times unitary. Mm-hmm. So that's the way to think about why, why 1 is not a prime number, why 1 is unitary. What that means is if you think that in the same way the imaginary numbers work. Okay, so the word is rebuscafram. Rebuscafram. And so here, um, so this is a phrase that was invented by some genius. I don't know who. I do know I learned it to say this from a former dean of students at Dartmouth, and he was always getting in these conversations in passing where he had to have the response, but he had no idea. How do you spell it? R-E-E-B-U-S-B-U-S-A-C-A-S-S-A-F-R-A-M. Uh... Rebusak, Rebuscafram, R e e b u s a c, a s s, a f r a m. It looks like Rebusakafram, Rebusak, Rebusakasafram. Maybe it's Rebusakasafram. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. That sounds right. I'm gonna see if I can queue up the the podcast here. Um, no, you don't have to. I just, I'll, I'll do a search for Reba Casafram. Yeah, that, that you said it right, Reba Casafram. And uh, let's see. I just tweeted it. <laughs> the human ear will interpret this in one of a hundred different ways, and they will almost certainly think you actually said something real Rebusa when you Kassifram. didn't. Uh, so if you say this with Rebusicus friend, it sounds like you're answering something. It sounds because it's very sing songy and it's and it has lots of right. consonants in it, and it shifts a little bit. So it sounds like oh, he answered my question. I just didn't hear right. what it was. And people are polite, and so the same thing where you laugh at somebody. Somebody says a joke, and you have no idea what they said. But you, ah. 
just because you just you know you're humoring them, and yeah. you don't want to be rude and say, "What's that?" Rebus a casserole. Rebus a casserole. It's I good. Like it. It's a good trick. Remember yeah. that one. Rebus a casserole. <laughs> What do we have in for dinner tonight? Your best accounts for him. Okay. Oh, I love that whale. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, it's getting late, so I just want to bring up one last thing. Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage. I posted my interesting theory on Nick Cage. Or, or I didn't post it, no, I asked a question, but I told you what my theory was. Mm-hmm. So the question I asked was, are there any Nick Cage movies where A, he gives a good performance, and B, it's still a bad movie? I want to take a look now at the IMDb and see if we can find one, because it specify. In, well, I'll tell you what, what the... Uh, what the theory is, and then we can find out if it's if it's disproved by anything. So the theory is that Nick Cage is Plato. He's a cipher. The reason why he can be both good and bad is because he is a non-entity as an actor. He is essentially the director's toy. He can be used as a prop. So if it's a good director, he can make a great movie with, and Nicolas Cage can make a great performance. If it's a bad director or a bad movie, then it's going to be terrible performance because it's all based on the talent of the person behind the scenes, not any talent of Nicolas Cage. In a sense, that may be a talent of Nick Cage. He is a cipher because there's no one else who's like that. But regardless, That's what I was trying to argue, cipher, yeah. is that he gives the director exactly what he wants. Right. As long as he gets paid. Uh, but it explains why he can be so bad in like a Left Behind or or that or uh, the Wicker Man or something, and he can be so good in other movies. And that the only the other thing that the, the other thing that had to be coming up with this is that all the oh, I'm Nick Cage kind of stuff is is only based on two or three different movies. It's not mm-hmm. how he actually acts in all movies. He's he right. can he varies his performance. Very yeah, I mean, much. I just watched Joe, right? And he he's not over the top yeah. Nicolas Cage at all. So, uh, I don't remember many of these movies that he no. was in. Especially not going to remember a shitty movie where he was good. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, but the, the question, I mean, like, he, you remember those movies where he was really, really good in them. And you remember even the bad movies where he was bad, but he was bad in the, in the way that suited the movie, like Con Air or The Rock. And then how would you rank ones like Raising Arizona and Peggy Sue Got Married? It's been a while. I mean,. Everyone loves Raising Arizona. I didn't like it that much, but okay. I didn't like his performance that much. <laughs> he, it, it just seems like that that stays true. And, and we should watch Never on Tuesday, where he was uncredited man in red sports car. <laughs> and, and my thinking, the reason why I thought about this, there are some actors who are good in terrible movies. Right, yeah, you mentioned a couple examples. Yeah, right? Gene Hackman's a great example of someone who'd be good in terrible movies. And there are actors who can be terrible in good movies. But I don't think Nick Cage ever does that.
I'm pulling up the 2015 Razzies here. You, you, we pulled. You didn't. We didn't talk about those, right? No, I've, I, I, I don't care about the Razzies for the same reason I don't care about the Oscars. It, it's, it's. The, I mean, the Razzies are even worse than the Oscars in some ways. I mean, they exist just just to be, just to pretend like you're really you're you're really uh, sticking it to movies, but. It it's not. I mean, it, it's it's by the people who who are really very much a part of the Hollywood press and stuff like that. But they just so they they oogle, but they they would never they never do it to a truly des, deserving movie. They just do it to the ones that everyone hates, right? They never would give a Razzie to something that was like, eh. Like they never give a Razzie to Shakespeare in Love, even though it probably deserves one because it mm. won Best Picture that year. Mm. And they're never going to piss off the people who you know who are doing all that stuff, but it probably deserves one. If the if, if the Razzie Extinction, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Left Behind, Saving Christmas, they Razzies is just easy jokes. Is what it is. It's easy jokes. I just like the Oscars because it's all politics and 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 there's nothing to do with the same with the Emmys. People hold it up as some sort of you know big important award show, but it's not. It, it's just politics and and it's a bunch of old people who are disconnected, mostly deciding how the thing goes. A bunch of people who are in, in Hollywood deciding their own stuff. I guess that's always the case, but still, it's it's. Right. Well, Golden Globes aren't. That's the AFP, right? That's like four or five people who do. <laughs> and and that's all paid for. I mean, that we have evidence that that's those okay. awards are bought and paid for. Nice. I want to watch Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Okay. Not really. I want to watch just. I wish I could watch it without investing the time of watching it. <laughs> Is that possible? I don't think so. Mm. Here are your things, sir. All right, cool. Max will be happy. All right, I think that's enough. All right, sounds good. Thank you, everybody. Bye.